Welcome to Movie Overload, where we will be covering 100 films through the history of cinema, from A Trip to the Moon to Parasite, and everything in between, except for Woody Allen. Fuck Woody Allen. What? what? Hooray. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, yeah, you're right. We did it. I did not mess up that intro this time. I would just like to Hooray. acknowledge Solid. that. Thank you. Yeah, Hooray. The only time we had to restart, restart was when, when we had the metronome. Again. I hate the metronome. It is the scourge of this podcast. Scourge. Uh, oh, yeah. By the way, I'm Reese. Hi, Reese. I'm Hannah. Nice to meet you, Hannah. Who are you? I think I'm Hunter. King Hunter, perhaps. King Hunter. <gasps> ah! <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry. You're just going to get bad name jokes sometimes. Yay. It's I'm not even a joke. It. I'm just King Hunter. Hun- Hunter, does that mean you're the king of... Like hunters? No. Are you hunting kings? Is Kong the king of Kongs? He, I mean, I just he's the, the only Kong. Exactly. Exactly. Hunter is the only hunter. But he's. This doesn't mean he's the king of other things. Yeah. Gasp. Or or is he just the king of himself? Is he, that the point? Is he big, that he's he, the king of nothing? He big monkey. He. <laughs> hunter, are you king of big monkeys? I mean, I can't monkeys? argue with that. He big monkey. <laughs> I have no further arguments. Insightful. <laughs> and that's the show today. Thanks for listening. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Thanks, guys. That's all you'll get out of me. All good yeah. things. I gotta go. Cool beans. Okay. Are we ready to transition onto the main topic? Do we have things at the offset that we must, uh, must discuss? I don't uh, think. Not yet. So. Not yet. Yes. We will. We will, for sure. Cool. We will. Let's get in to the main topic. Quite possibly the most iconic and culturally relevant film we've tackled yet. Marion C. Cooper and Ernest B. Shodzak's King Kong from 1933 is a giant of early American talkies. With a concept epic and simplistic enough to lend itself to countless remakes and interpretations over many mediums, King Kong is in many ways the first true blockbuster, complete with awe-inspiring special effects and, uh, well, uh, very 30s sexism. So Very. It's, you know, it's a movie of extremes. Extremely interesting action and unconvincing yet very charming effects yeah. and extremely not charming and very wooden performances. Yeah. <laughs> I saw several people explain them as wooden and that yeah. made me laugh. Mm-hmm. It's it's the best way to do it. Really are. I mean, there's not really a better way to describe what it is because there's just almost, it's almost soulless, I guess, mm-hmm. some of the performances, which is weird, I guess, in some ways because we've watched a lot of films beforehand with much better performances, Mm -hmm. but much earlier in cinema where you'd think like maybe they didn't figure out how to act in movies yet. Right. We have this kind of, uh, what's, what's the, the fallacy that that is, is, um, Mm. you know, I'm forgetting the name, but I know you're talking about the name of the fallacy is thinking that because it's older, it's worse. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, which is a oh chronological snobbery, mm-hmm. I yeah. guess. I'm just like, so. ah, you know, things progress, continually mm-hmm. get better. And the more we watch movies, we're finding that that's not really quite the case because mm-hmm. for some reason, The Passion of Joan of Arc has the best cinematography that we've <laughs> covered and it's the best ever. And also the best performances. Best acting, for great. sure. Yeah, and then we go into later films like this and it's like, ah, oh. when it's not like the miniatures and stop motion it doesn't look particularly amazing mm-hmm. and then the acting is bad i guess they knew what however they needed. 
there is also interesting stuff to talk about in the score. It's it's mostly yes. production, I think. Yeah, that's why this movie is for sure great. When I was watching it, I just imagined the actors like looking for direction and being like, "Hey, how do you want me to play this scene, et cetera, et cetera?" As actors do, and the director just being like, uh, "Scream." <laughs> I, I guess just, just like scream. Right. <laughs> Keep screaming. Could, can you try to seem like you hate women more? <laughs> Could you like up that? level of sexism for me thanks the, the misogyny is just not quite there <laughs> enough yet and keep Remember, screaming <laughs> this is hollywood in the 30s mm-hmm. we need to have more of that yes mm. thank you 1930s america gosh yeah. it's just it's weird though because yeah passion of joan of arc had like i mean it wasn't misogynist it was commenting on misogyny mm-hmm. in ways and and yeah. felt somewhat empowering in a weird way yeah um yeah not not here no. not not in america i guess <laughs> i was gonna say i guess france was ahead of its time because america uh, had some beef we've got some good <laughs> with women <laughs> some good french films that we're covering here they seem to be pretty on top of things at least as far as the ones we're looking at right yeah <laughs> no the yeah i guess we'll, we'll get into that soon we have an episode coming up on the grand illusion and that movie also seems to have some pretty thought out social commentary definitely that would be nice to have in a movie like King Kong instead of a potential allegory for things that are very shitty, which yeah, we'll, I mean, we'll get into. Yeah, I don't know. I have I have some thoughts on that mm-hmm. that we'll get into, yes. Yeah. But I've got a plot summary for those folks that didn't watch this version of the movie. Most people have probably seen a version of King Kong, but yeah, whether or not perhaps. you've seen the 30s one. At this point, there's, there's not really like a new one. I mean, I mean Skull well, Island. Well, actually, no, there is. Yeah, Skull, Island, Skull, Island. Skull Island was like 2016. I don't know what I was thinking. Oh. I, I, I think I got caught up in looking at the Peter Jackson one, and that was oh, like right. in my head. And that was like 15 years ago. Yeah. Oh, uh, gosh. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. But uh, yes, I forgot about Skull Island. Mm-hmm. That's a thing. I don't know if it's any And then good. this year was going to have Kong versus Godzilla. Oh, yeah. Which, you know, Wild. is not happening now. Will happen next year. <laughs> and we can also talk about the original Kong versus Godzilla. True, because that's Ooh. that's good times. This anyway. was the first King Kong movie I've ever seen. Yeah, me too. Actually, yeah, same. Like oh, I, yeah. I think I saw bits of the the Peter Jackson one mm-hmm. in like a hotel room yeah. when I was like six, a but I didn't see it all the way through. Lean. So, yeah, I'm very excited. I, w- I mean, I was really excited to watch it, and then I was very excited while watching it because the effects don't <laughs> hold up, but they're also. Right really fun and mm-hmm. they work really well and it's just kind of I think it works everything it that I expected it to be yeah for for better and for worse um but yeah I'll start with a plot summary for them folks so okay exotic wildlife filmmaker Carl Denham enlists a random woman named Anne Darrow off the streets to star in his mysterious next picture Darrow and the crew depart from New York oh I, I was guess I was gonna say the New York Harbor on the ship Venture to an uncharted island that Denham has sourced the location of. With seemingly little effort, the crew makes landfall at Skull Island mm-hmm. and proceeds to make a nuisance of themselves to the native tribe, interrupting a ritual to prepare the Bride of Kong. Later that night, the natives sneak onto the ship and kidnap Darrow soon after she and the Venture's first mate Driscoll declare their love for one another. The natives tie Darrow up and leave her for Kong, who is revealed to be a giant ape. Kong grabs Darrow and runs off into the forest, pursued by the crew of the Venture, who almost all meet their demise from the great prehistoric beasts native to the island. Of the rescue party, only Denim and Driscoll survive to rescue Darrow, and in the process, Denim manages to incapacitate Kong with a flash bomb, 
proceeding to transport him back to New York. Tied up in chains, Kong is debuted to a massive audience, but upon seeing Darrow, he breaks free, wreaks havoc upon the city, and carries Darrow up the Empire State Building, where he is killed by four attacking airplanes. The film ends with Denham claiming that, no, it wasn't the airplanes, it was beauty killed the beast, harking back to the proverb introduced at the offset of the film, which is as follows. And the prophet said, and lo, the beast looked upon the face of beauty, and it stayed its hand from killing, and from that day, it was as one dead. Which, by the way, is not a proverb. That was written for this movie. Really? It was? Yeah. I, oh. don't, I don't know why they had to... <laughs> Disappointing. Yeah. Like, That's you could great. just put that quote at the beginning of the movie and not have to say, oh, it's a, it's an Arab proverb. Yeah. <laughs> it's a uh, proverb. We're I, legit. I don't know how I feel about that. Then. Yeah. Our movie has depth and meaning. It feels very on brand for the movie, actually. Yeah, very, very. It, yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. It's basically, doing what the people in the movie did. Good stuff. Yep. It's this one's uh, pretty mm. iconic. A very yeah, uh, for sure. Early Hollywood, very mm-hmm. unconscious, stupid mm. American garbage. <laughs> you know. Yes. Anyway, Which we'll talk about. We'll get into it. It's fine, but you know. As far as the plot goes, it's pretty much everything you'd expect it to be. It's, it's not particularly interesting. It's not. It's I mean, I kind of like the vibe of like the, I don't know, 30s, early 1800s to like 30s, like explorer going yeah. into like, you know, that's that kind of stuff too. is fun. It does kind of capture that just like adventure vibe. Mm-hmm. Like the like, like Indiana Jones kind of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It felt it, it kind of was like if indiana jones and jurassic park had a baby mm-hmm. several decades before either of those were born right <laughs> it, i think it takes a lot from um the lost world which i guess we talked about earlier with the metropolis episode right because that was made into like a very early example of sci-fi film mm-hmm. but that's an arthur conan doyle book which is almost exactly this i mean it's got more up vibes i guess but it it's you know mm-hmm. i feel like i don't know if that's exactly where that kind of like vibe started from was the lost world but it's it's probably around then that it started i don't know of anything that's kind of an earlier example of that kind of thing right so it's got the dinosaurs and stuff too you know go somewhere and there's dinosaurs still man the dinosaurs looked so cool in this movie unexpected dinosaurs i didn't know they were in this i just okay i know like the iconic scenes from king kong but having not watched it before i didn't really know the plot Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden there's dinosaurs and i was just like what the heck? Oh, okay. Is that like the Loch Ness Monster? No. It was a dinosaur. It's just a brontosaurus, which for some it's reason is not an herbivore here. I guess maybe they just didn't know back then, but it's really funny seeing True. like the things that are attacking them yeah. be all the things we know to be True. herbivores now. <laughs> yeah. Like, ah, oh, that's the thing that wouldn't have done that. Cool. Yep. All of the nice. other ones. I mean, except for the, the T-Rex, obviously. Yeah. But... But they look cool. They do yeah. look really cool. First, yeah, I was like, yep, definitely Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. Like, baby version. Baby version. It's it, still it's pretty brutal, though. Honestly, mm-hmm. and, and the effects on the dinosaurs are not, like, too much worse than what Jurassic Park looked like in, you know, true. Oh gosh, yeah. 60 years That's later. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess given the time span and everything, Jurassic Park is great. Mm-hmm. The effects in that movie are bonkers. Yeah, but these these are great too. Like they good. they work together pretty mm-hmm. nicely. King and Kong walked so Jurassic Park could run. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. I know. Mm-hmm. That's a proverb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
but it's also kind of interesting to note that this is uh, pre-Ray Harryhausen, mm-hmm. who is actually, um, Ray Harry, Harryhausen was the, the protege of this guy who oh, did the effects. Interesting. Uh, that is definitely what it made me think of. Like, I yeah. haven't seen, like, Harryhausen's work specifically, but I've seen, like, I know what it looks like. And right. this definitely made me think of that, and mm-hmm. I wondered if there was some connection. So yeah, cool. yeah. So he is the protege of, I guess my notes here say Wills O'Brien. Okay. I might have misspelled things because some things are in capitals that shouldn't be. I was up very late writing this, and I That's did how not it goes. proofread. Me yes. too. It's rough. Uh, yeah. So the stop motion effects were done by Wills O'Brien and Buzz Gibson, and obviously they're legendary, and they had to do just overall with the effects in this movie, they had to do like a ton of different things to mm-hmm. be able to not only just pull off some of the basic effects, but then to stitch them together was a really rough process because, you know, you have these live action effects. You also have uh, some miniature things. You have a, a decent amount of rear projection. You have matte paintings and they're trying to blend all of those in a way that yeah. is believable, which mm-hmm. I mean, obviously like, isn't quite believable but it's also right. surprising how well those things interact yeah like the number of times kong will like pick someone up and right. it looks like he really picks them up yeah you know like yeah, i had a few moments of like um looking at it and being like yeah you can tell that it's an effect obviously like it's it's not hard but then i was also having moments of like seeing a nice mixing of the creature effect and the live action footage and being like wait what and I had to like think about it for a second. I was like, "What are they How doing?" Did they make it look like yeah, he yeah. held her. You right. can kind of get it, but like I what? had to do a lot of reading, and even still, it didn't quite make sense how they did it. Like, I, hmm. it's not just kind of cool. Apparent, yeah. So they had, um, I guess I should just go through like the four main types of special effects that they mm-hmm. did, and then I can get into the different processes that they used. Cool. Um, but yeah, the four basic pillars were just like you know stop motions, miniatures, matte paintings. Uh, and I guess what's called rear projection, which is if you've ever seen, which I guess we probably all have, you know, scenes in a movie where like somebody's driving a car and there's like a thing like mm. behind them that looks like they're driving, you yeah. know, like there's like a screen or whatever. Hmm. Basically what they do with that is they have a screen they set up and then they have a flipped image being projected from behind. That's, you know, mm. just footage. So cool. they do that kind of thing a lot here as I mean, it, a very obvious example of that is when they're like seeing this the stegosaurus yeah. corpse and they're like walking they're like wow look at that and yeah like they just you know film that footage with the miniature and then right. had it projected with which obviously would cool. tend to look a bit more like faded and washed out yeah. than normal hmm. because they're filming something that it was already filmed so they're they're filming something that's being projected as well as other things in context so it's a I guess it's like pre-green screen. It's it's like a green screen before green screen. And it, you know, tends to look worse. But I think honestly here, as far as re- rear projection goes, it's not too bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty clever. It, it looks pretty clear. 1930s. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is the the first movie that's ever done it. Yeah. Um, But it, it's definitely an earlier one. Uh. But they also had to do a few different things with it. Like, for example, I heard that the birds at the beginning, like when they come to the island, were rear projected. I don't know how Interesting. they would have done that. Like, I wonder if... I was trying to sort out what it was saying with that one. Mm-hmm. 
because you know the birds are like kind of overlaid on top of it so i don't know how that would have been reprojected unless they had the footage of like the the sailors and the boats and the island and whatever and then they did Hmm. and they projected two different images onto a screen and filmed it interesting some things are were confusing that they were describing uh because a lot of thought had to go into how to get all this stuff to fit together and Ooh. that looks it doesn't look convincing but it's also looks cool and is surprising yeah um but they also uh apparently used rear projection on their miniature sets hmm. so they would wow. have like a tiny screen in a miniature set <laughs> that they would then project <laughs> to like Jeez. the very smite small you know, little thing, but because they're doing stop motion, they're doing one shot at a time. This projector has to like hold up this image for a very long time and then like, you know, click mm-hmm. to the very next frame and do that over and over again. So they had yeah. to have fans to keep the footage from oh. melting and catching fire Oh my, oh gosh. my gosh! to be able to pull it off. <laughs> um, a good example of that is when Kong is like reaching down, trying to grab Driscoll mm-hmm. and he's like trying to evade. Yeah. I guess there was like a, there somehow they used rear projection there. Oh. So I'm assuming the screen was like where Driscoll was in that like bottom corner of the frame. Oh yeah. And they that were projecting sense. that bit of him right. and then Kong is reaching over in this, front. That makes sense. Yeah. So if you're trying to animate your miniature to match the footage of the person you record. Right. Okay. That yeah. makes sense, yeah. Which is mm. honestly kind of surprising because it doesn't entirely look like Driscoll knows where the hand is. That's what I wondered in a lot of it. Yeah. Which is weird because like obviously he wouldn't but then right. they can animate kong so he is in the right place but they kind of didn't yeah yeah not super convincing but i mean it's it's okay it's wildly impressive nonetheless yes, totally, for sure i appreciate the effort but yeah i mean wow just the, the concept mm-hmm. of like needing a fan to keep yeah. it from catching fire right. and trying <laughs> like because what you're trying to do is just oh. so I don't know, out of the norm. It's so extra. It's not built for that. Indeed. Uh, Matte paintings were done by Henry Hillink, Mario Larinaga, and Byron Crab. Probably not pronounced Crab. There's like C-R-A-B-B-E, maybe? Crabbe. Crabbe. (laughs) (laughs) And Brian Crabby. Or or Byron Crabby. I don't know. Something. That sounds accurate cannot claim to pronounce things well it's not my specialty yeah but that's okay you know it's fine oh also in regards to the miniature sets and the way that they would film them they were worried that the lighting wouldn't look as intense if they were to stop and then start over again or or like Hmm. pick up later so they would just kind of marathon these sequences that they were filming apparently the entire t-rex scene took seven weeks my gosh which I mean, I think when you, you know, switch to a different shot, or you know, it cuts or something like that, that's probably factored into that equation. They can go home or whatever. Right. But just the fact that they're like, ah, oh, you know, it probably won't look as good if we stop. I guess so. <laughs> so we're just gonna do this for seven weeks straight. <laughs> yeah. Dedication. Okay. But also apparently the consensus from film historians is that there are no uses of a man in a suit in the entire film, that it's all models. Mm. And there are places where it looks good enough that you're like, and you know, Kong is far enough away. You're like, is that just somebody in a suit? 
Yeah. There were like a few moments where I Maybe. thought that might be the case. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like it's it's so jittery most of the time. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it is. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. The introduction it's shot good, of him though. is probably the most jittery in the entire movie, which makes me wonder if they were doing that part in order. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Like if the if the if the way that they animated it was all in order. But I know mm-hmm. that they filmed like most of the film out of sequence in just different chunks. Like some of yeah. it they filmed before they actually got the green light. Yeah. Some of it they f- I mean they actually had a scr- a screenwriter who was trying to finish the script in between oh my gosh them filming different sequences cuz they didn't have it written out when they started yes. like they didn't really know a lot of dialogue in some of the earlier scenes is just entirely improvised it's okay. it's crazy hmm. but yeah apparently the screenwriter that w- they had finish it up was Ruth Rose so it it's surprising to me i guess how many films that we've already covered that were written by female screenwriters, mm-hmm. but it also just feels like there's not a lot of female representation. So did we make the sexist jokes, <laughs> not the men? I, I mean, maybe that's just ad libbed on set. I don't, I don't even oh. know, it, it but just, it's it weird. It just flowed so naturally out of the, it, it, the males I mean, on set. I yeah. feel like there may, there may be something to be said for just the fact that like that, kind of thought was just the norm yeah so much that even women kind of thought of themselves that way hmm. like if that I guess it's sense, possible like, if that fit i mean that sort of fits darrow's character of just being like apologetic about being yeah. a woman like where he, where he's like, like oh, i don't, you know, don't want to be just women can't help but be a like, father I, I hope that Sorry. i don't know i don't know if that's like offensive and horrible but like know. I don't know. I've definitely heard of people like kind of talking about being like raised with this sort of like internal misogyny. Yeah. You know, it's like you don't think about it and you don't realize and you don't realize that like later we look, you know, later we now we look back on that and be like, oh, that's rough. But at the time, it a woman may have written that just being like, that's just how men treat women. And right. That's, that's just how it is. We mm-hmm. were trying to trick you all. We didn't want you to know that we were smarter than all of you. Oh, yes. that makes sense. Feel free to, to yell at me if that's a bad take. I'm I'm open to criticism on that kind of stuff. I'm yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> I don't think it's a bad take, okay. but I also can't say. So yeah, we just do these things without realizing it. I guess if yeah. it's just kind of accepted, and then and then mm-hmm. times evolve, and we realize, hey, we the ladies should be able to do more, and then we because, did. Yeah, because they can. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. So, anyway, that's all I have right. to say about that. <laughs> but yeah, it, it was weird when he's, you know, he's saying all these misogynistic things mm-hmm. and she's not even like kind of fighting back. She's like, oh, sorry. Yeah. I'll, <laughs> I'll try not to be a bother. It's so weird. Oops, yeah. Just again, like, sorry. Just the whole way she gets involved. Yeah. It's just like stumbles across her on the street. He's like, I pick you. <laughs> You're coming <laughs> with me. And she's like, like, what? Okay. Um, huh? <laughs> and he's like, oh, uh, don't worry. Uh, I'm a very powerful white male figure. And yeah. she's like, oh, okay. Neat. <laughs> Toxic masculinity. <laughs> that's honestly the just name kind of the, movie. Of the thesis of this movie. Yep. Yes. Unintentionally. We I was going to say, I'm here. not sure the movie totally realizes that, but Oh, yes. it totally doesn't. Like, there are so many parts of this that feel like it's actually, like, very deliberately doing that. Mm-hmm. And then also it's like, oh, maybe not. It's weird. Because they never give Darrow a moment where she's anything other than 
just getting tugged back and forth between yeah. different male figures of right. different species, it's, but still. It's in the way, yeah, that she's treated. She's and like a literal w- object. And in the yeah. way that Kong is treated also as like a a piece of some other part of the world that is kind of ripped away and turned into an attraction. Mm-hmm. There's, there's this terrible hubris of it that's just like, oh, we can take this thing and bend it to our ends and that's like it almost feels like they frown on that sometimes like they almost kind of make kong sympathetic when he's getting shot down i feel like like he's kind of pathetic looking and it's sad but then the characters are so apathetic towards him like i guess he's dead now right oh well and i don't know yeah and denim's just like insistence with it somehow tying back to beauty and the beast yeah i don't uh, you know why but it's weird I, the thing is, I guess from what Cooper was saying, he thought kind of the point of the film was, uh, let me see, I think I might have had a quote somewhere in my notes about what he was saying. He thought that the the thesis of his film mm-hmm. was, uh, but I think it, it was something like the the primitive being doomed by modern society. Mm, yeah. Which... Huh doesn't as much feel like uh i'm kind of sympathetic to we shouldn't have done this it's more like ah yeah we can totally like we can rip kong from his island so why not right it was just kind of unfortunate that he broke free and had to be shot you know what i mean right like it's i think the problem then is more of the attitude towards the primitive thing Mm -hmm. which isn't a requirement (laughs) yeah you don't have to lock him up and stick him in as like a show right maybe you can just hang out and let him do his thing and he's fine you don't have to turn it into you know trying to benefit yourself like Mm. it definitely seems like the kind of thing that's been handled better in monster movies later yeah true uh i mean i also think that like from the bits that I've seen of Kong Skull Island and the Peter Jackson one, it kind of feels like maybe the vibe is a little bit more like we have respect for this. Yeah. You know, I'd be curious. Creature that's so much more lar- large and noble in some way. I'd be curious to see the Peter Jackson one now because that one does seem to be like a straight remake of the original, mm. like same character names and everything. So maybe, maybe worth watching. Yeah. That would be interesting to see. Uh, let's see. Do I have anything about the special effects before we move on? Oh, yeah. So they had three different techniques for the way that they'd combine live action and stop motion. For very simple shots where, like, things were happening just in different sections of the frame and weren't interacting, those were just achieved by exposing one part of the frame hmm. and then running the film through the camera again to expose the other portion. Hmm. Oh, that's cool. So, like, that, not, not overly complicated, but then when they got to the more complex shots where live action and stop motion had to actually kind of interact interact or or at least kind of cross over in frame Mm -hmm. they had uh the first process was the dunning process which was a bit more complicated took more work they used sometimes which was invented by carol h dunning and essentially used blue and yellow lights filtered into the black and white film i don't really know how that Mm -hmm. contributed to the look but then by by bypacking which is combining two strips of film through the camera mm-hmm. yeah they were able to achieve sh- shots just like you know the one where 
Kong is like in sort of the background fighting the natives and then there are natives like running in, in the foreground oh, yeah. and then he like chucks so. a log or something like that and yeah. it like hits one of them. I think so, yeah. Hmm. That was done using the, the dunning process of like hmm. combining two different shots essentially. Okay. Cool. But then they fi- figured out the Williams process, which is obviously made by Williams, Frank D. Williams. What? Yeah. It didn't require bypacking, didn't require colored lights. Hmm. It actually, basically what it, he did is he, I guess he invented the optical printer, hmm. which kind of connects to the camera and is a way that you can just kind of combine any number of film strips. Uh, so they were basically able to, like the the scene where Kong is shaking the guys off of the log and they like fall down that chasm yeah. was done using that, where they're able to uh, combine separate shots of the background, the stop motion and the live action through optical printers. So they had they had a bit more freedom there because they were able to also have the background as a separate shot. Hmm. And I guess that's sort of similar. I mean, we'll see when it comes to the Snow White report mm-hmm. in however many weeks it is for the listeners. Three weeks away, I think. But that's, I figure that's probably kind of similar to what they were doing with early animation. Mm. Yeah. So Maybe. I don't know anything about that, really. It's kind of cool. This is making me think more of like Star Wars, hmm. I feel like, because I, I feel like I remember seeing that they did maybe similar things. I mean, they definitely had the to film combine combinations and stuff. a lot of miniatures with yeah. live action stuff. So it might be cool to see how that changes there, too. Mm-hmm. That w- I- I'm really looking forward to that report. It's going to be fun. Reports. Oh, man. It's going to be a good time. Excited. Hype, hype. Yes. Heck yeah. Anyway, so so the optical printer definitely seemed to kind of replace the need for the dunning process in a lot of ways. Hmm. And, I mean, what was the point of using an optical printer when you could just expose different parts of the film anyway for the simple shots? Mm-hmm. Anyway, all, all hmm. three processes definitely have their, like, significant portions of use in the film. But it's overall not like you know just one specific one being used in the majority yeah. seems like oh that's crazy so but cool. yeah i have a question mm-hmm. it was a pretty like brutal movie at times like fairly violent oh, yeah. and dark mm-hmm. was that received well at the time yeah well i mean it was pre-code as well mm-hmm. so yeah, they so they were able to you know there was kind of that that scramble that we also saw in right. Duxley, but like, all right, let's just shove it all in. Yeah. So there was one shot. One there was a scene that they didn't before. incorporate, which was when the guys fall down the chasm after be sh- being shaken off the log, they get like torn to shreds by like giant spiders and a bunch of different monsters. That would have been awesome. And apparently it was too brutal I want that, that even pre code, they didn't, RKO was like, no, you can't use Dang. this. Wow. So that would have been sick. I would have cried. Apparently that, that shot is lost. People have been trying to find it. They have like some still images of huh. what that would have looked like. But it's lost, oh, which that's sucks. So cool. I I like would love to see. Like I know that's morbid, but man, that would be so cool to see what they came up with for that. Like just since they had like miniatures of the people too, mm-hmm. that would have been wild. But yeah, usually everything is implied, and I yeah. mean, even with the dropping into the ca- the chasm scene, it's just like ragdolls. Yeah, I, the ragdolls <laughs> in this. M- movie it's kind of amazing like these people just ah uh, yeah you see them flop <laughs> it's great it's uh, so good we needed the scream sound back then yeah. oh, the wilhelm so scream well. would be so yeah. rad <laughs> like, you know, tragic you got the idea though it's mm-hmm. sad. but yeah i mean there's also the bits with the the giant head that they yeah. they had that they you know for when he's like chewing on mm-hmm. somebody and they zoom in and he's like ah oh, you're in my teeth <laughs> 
So I guess they've still got that kind of violence in there, but yeah, it, you somebody know. gets stepped on one time, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, actually, I have a thing about when they re-released it. Hmm. So they actually cut out a lot when they yeah. they re-released the movie again in 1938, 1942, 1946, 1952, and 1956. Whoa. So it went back to theaters a lot. Holy cow! But every single release after this theatrical release it was cut down hmm. quite a bit because, you know, they were m- more into censorship. Right. So hmm. they couldn't really get away with being more risque postcode. So they cut out the brontosaurus killing the men in the water and hmm. like catch like yeah. that guy in the tree, which is such yeah. a good scene. It's so funny. Uh, <laughs> they also cut out idea? Kong undressing Darrow yeah. and sniffing his fingers. Uh, I don't notice that part. Uh, Kong biting and stepping on people. Him Hmm. dropping that woman to her death after he thinks it's Darrow and then it isn't. And also, obviously, you know, the scene with the creatures feasting on the crew members just never even made it to begin with. (laughs) Sad. So, yeah. But RKO didn't even preserve the final cut, like the original Mm -hmm. one. So, like, once they stripped that stuff out, they didn't keep it at all. Because for some reason, movie studios back in the day sucked. It's just like Metropolis. So we uh, it was all that other stuff like that we have now was considered lost until 1969. Hmm. It was then restored and the censor scenes were included again, but they only had like a 16 millimeter cut like we, we had with Metropolis, where it was, you know, okay. smaller in the frame. Hmm. But then there was another restoration that was performed from a 1942 print. And it also had like those like extreme vertical lines oh. everywhere, yeah. but it was full frame and it looked a little bit better in some hmm. ways. And then another release print was found in better condition in the 80s. And then Warner Bros. spent like six years searching for the best prints and put together a full restoration using 4K scanning in 2005 to coincide with the Peter Jackson Kong. Oh, okay. So that's the one that we have now. Nice. It looks pretty good. It looks really good. I'm surprised they had 4K scanning in 2005. Yeah, I didn't notice any uh, issues with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, yeah, 4K stuff has been kind of at least the theatrical standard for a yeah. while, right? But Pretty as much. Like, as a home thing, it's been relatively... I, Th- I guess that saying. does make sense, yeah. Yeah. Yar. I don't know. Yar. That's that's why, you know, it's always good good to see a movie in the theaters if you can, where it's probably going to look better than you're ever going to see it on your TV unless <laughs> yeah. you have lots oh, of money. wait. I mean, there it doesn't take much now. It doesn't, but we also, I don't think any of us have 4K TVs no. right now, do maybe we? Hopefully in the near future. In the near future. We may be having talks about getting one, but. Yes. Uh, yes, Facts. we are. We are just full HD people. So Not sad. Ultra HD. At what point <laughs> will 4K become regular HD? Do we yeah. have to like move the terminology backwards? Please. And 1080p will become like stupid standard definition. Ew. Gross. Yuck. And then old. 480 and stuff will be like garbage i don't know just just not even watchable yeah (laughs) well that's the thing okay so i was going through my my voodoo account which is great and i share it with my dad so some of the stuff my dad's bought and you can see on there which one my dad has bought and which one i've bought because he's like oh i'll save that one dollar and buy it in sd and that drives me nuts he has so many movies in sd and it's like why would you have that movie in sd I, i can't like that's the thing is like at this point I if I if I have a choice at all, I will never buy anything on DVD again. Same. <laughs> like mm-hmm. why? Why would I do that? But I 
I bought Song of the Horse on DVD because there's right. literally no other version of it. It's Akira Kurosawa's right. 1971 TV documentary about horses. Yeah. So, like, you know, it just doesn't exist in any other way. Yeah. Anyway, physical media. Physical media. It's fun. I like I like fun a 4K stuff. Blu-ray because you don't have to depend on your, your Wi-Fi speeds. Yeah, honestly, yeah. yeah. You just need the technology to actually play it. Mm-hmm. I think 4K players are actually kind of expensive. They are, and I mean, so that's why a lot of people just get Xbox One S's. Right, that's the thing at this point. Yeah, PS5's around the corner. It's almost uh, there. That's going to be expensive. Though. It's going to be ugly. I, I need money. Please donate to our non-existent Patreon. <laughs> Maybe Honestly, it exists by now. Start that Maybe by the time you're hearing this, it exists. I don't know. I watch horror movies for this. Yeah. Heck yeah. We'll do That'd it. Fun. Honestly, I'm excited about that. I kind of want to do, yeah, so we'll do the oh, horror movie so fun. thing. Yes. I also kind of want to do asmr movie podcast yes i think that would honestly be rad i don't know if you know everybody's down for that we could try it but like why not we should have a third thing so we each have like a thing oh yeah (laughs) Uh, i mean i I feel like we could all kind of be on the asmr podcast yes uh i don't know yeah we we should we could just keep adding stuff then we have different tiers anyway we're figuring out the patreon (laughs) while we're recording we could probably (laughs) get back to this is the only time we talk about it do you want right. to hear a fun fact? Yes. Did you know King Kong was a Broadway musical? Originally or post this? Post this. That's not till like rad. 2013. Mm. But really? it looked pretty awesome. Like That's they had weird. a giant cool. King Kong on stage Sweet. and it was pretty cool. That's Oh man, I really like the theater productions that just go all out with stuff like that. <laughs> like uh Dave Malloy is kind of known for doing crazy stuff. I think he yeah. did Natasha Pierre in the Great yes, Comedy. Yes, I uh, love that whatever. show. Uh he he did uh, Ghost Quartet, which is awesome and very hard to find. It's on yeah. Spotify. You can listen to it. And it's really okay. interesting. It's very complex with the writing, but it's also just kind of four people and they play all of their instruments and do all of the singing and do all of the acting oh. and play a trilling characters. It's super Whoa. cool. What's his name? Dave Malloy. Oh, okay. It's not him. But then... But it's cool. Sad. Sad times. Big sad. He's also was going to do uh, Moby Dick and had oh. like this crazy set. Uh-huh. And it On was apparently, stage? yeah, what? In, it looked incredible. But then COVID happened. So oh. who knows if anybody will ever see it. But I would have flown out to New York Sad. for that. Anyway, shout out to Dave Malloy. Shout out to friend of the pod, Anna, for showing me. Mm-hmm. We love you, that Dave. Genius boy. Very nice. But yeah, okay. Anyway, <laughs> so did we, I think we so went anyways. through the special effects stuff for the most part. Uh, I, think, um, I guess. Oh, Maybe yeah. Okay. I have a quote from Wikipedia, which is, that's in bad form. I'm sorry. It's all good. How dare you? We Say it's too, a proverb. Sure. It's, it's a proverb. Uh, so <laughs> I have a proverb. proverb. There's, a, there's a proverb here, an ancient proverb. <laughs> I'm just going to start saying that about weird <laughs> things yeah. I say. Oh. That's a proverb. <laughs> uh, so this proverb says, uh, and the prophet said, the scene where Kong fights the snake-like reptile in his lair was likely the most significant special effects mm. achievement of the film due to the way that all the elements in the sequence work together at the same time. The scene was accompanied, was accomplished through the use of a miniature set, stop-motion animation for Kong, background map paintings, real water, foreground rocks with bubbling mud, smoke, and two miniature rear-screen projections of Driscoll and Anne. Whoa. That's crazy. That's a lot. Wow. Jeez. They did a lot of things. And also for some of the miniature sets, I read that they would use multi la- like multiple layers of glass that they would paint on mm. to like provide a feeling of depth huh. to the set which works oh, really yeah. well especially yeah. in those cave nice. scenes. Makes sense, yeah. Where he like kind of walks in between different layers of the 
Anyway, hmm. that stuff, the, some of the map paintings, I think honestly, yeah. we, there's not a lot to say about them because there's not like a lot of like crazy innovations in map paintings in this movie, mm-hmm. but they look really good mm-hmm. and they're really believable. And I mean, I guess shout out to those dead guys, <laughs> you know, good job. Yeah. They did good. Cool mm-hmm. to see that that's still being used. Like we saw it in a trip to the moon. Yeah. And now oh, yeah. they were still using it. It's not mm-hmm. going away anytime soon. And and people are still trying to like or at least in do things <laughs> to make it look more believable, like yeah. having layers, having smoke come out. Right. I like that stuff. And then there's like what George Lucas does, yep. where it's he's just got map paintings. Well, I guess I don't know if we'll go into that in the Star Wars episode, but he's sure got like will. map paintings like in the foreground of that of the uh, the throne room scene at the end, mm-hmm. where he's got like kind of rebel soldiers like lined up and they're just painted. <laughs> and so then oh, when he did the special editions, he just that. replaced them with real people. <laughs> Which is almost kind of sad because I, it was like a fun, like dinky, like interesting. Doesn't look that great. I don't know why he went for that. Oh, that's so weird. Putting that paintings in the foreground. Yeah, but, I didn't know yeah. about that. Weird. It's kind of cool. Well, I guess I haven't seen that version. So you haven't. Yeah. See, I grew up I with only, only the theatrical them. edition, and yeah. then I watched the special editions later, and I was like, "What the heck?" We bought those DVD ones in the box set, and so that's many like, people did. As far as I know, that's the only version I've really seen. So mm. yeah, I've got, I've got the. I've got the despecialized okay. editions. Yeah, we can. They're, they're kind of great. You can watch that Don't when, tell we, when we get to it. It's between us. It's nothing. Okay, if you're listening to this right now, sh- cl- wait, close your ears. You should definitely watch that sometime. And yeah. if you want them, you know, I can lend them to you. Uh, I mean, okay, you can, you, can, if you can open your ears now, folks. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not technically <laughs> illegal. Listening time. Is anything illegal? Nothing. Uh, not, I didn't do anything shady. Nope. I want to see I, that. We're all good. Le- uh, legally. Legally. Yeah, legally. We'll, we'll legally go see the despecialized editions of yeah. Star Wars oh, that yay. are totally legit. That reminds me. <laughs> Is Empire still playing in theaters? I don't know. Do we need to see that? We do need to see it. It would it, be fun. Yeah. Anyway, that's probably dated by now. It's definitely out of theaters probably by the time is, yeah. you're listening Three to this. Three weeks in the future or something for us. Or no, yeah. farther than that. I don't know. I like Star it's Wars. It's going to take a while. Star Wars is good. Star Wars. Good. So that was the, that was the special effects, you know? Mm-hmm. Excellent work. We, but we also got a lot of information, or at least some information, about the live-action shoot, hmm. which apparently took place over an eight-month period and oh. reuse sets from other movies. Hmm. So some of the early, like, jungle bits were taken from uh, Shodzak's own movie from the previous year, The Most Dangerous Game. But also, like, the giant gate was kind of spruced up. It took, like, $14,000 they added on top of that set to, like, spruce it up and make it look nice. Um, But it was from Cecil B. DeMille's The King of Kings Mm. from 1927. That's cool. Yes. Nice. And he actually appeared later when it was burned down in a sequence in... Gone with the wind. Whoa! So gate. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. All right, I'll keep an eye out for that. So a set that's was in a Cecil B. DeMille movie and King Kong. It's also Gone with the Wind. I I'll try to look for it. I don't know if we'll find it, but can try. There's apparently like a big. I mean, I haven't seen it yet, but there's a big sequence where they burn down part of Atlanta or something. If there's a big burning gate, something. Yeah, I guess we'll look for it. I'll see. Um, cool. But in between different segments, 
apparently there was enough time to like film and wrap entire other movies for those actors. So like, uh, I mean, so Faye Ray who played Andero was saying that she wrapped like two different movies in between take like segments they were filming for King Kong. I guess that makes sense. She needed a break. Yeah, Yeah, seriously. And if they're doing so much time on the effects work as part of the filming process, Mm -hmm. like, I guess that makes sense. But also they were, you know, kind of getting money together, kind of trying to finish Mm. their script, finish the (laughs) freaking script. (laughs) A little important. Gosh. Yeah. Also, (laughs) I thought it was really interesting that the establishing shots of New York are real because they almost kind of look like matte paintings. Yeah. yeah. I just assumed that they were, but they're Mm -hmm. legit. I guess. Huh. Interesting. It looked good. I was amazed to see what New York looked like in the 30s. Yeah. Mm, cool. So much better. <laughs> so much prettier. It's cool. Classic. Mm. Mm. That's also one of my favorite bits of uh, a film that both of you guys need to see that I just could not justify putting on this list, Permanent Vacation. Oh, yeah. Because that movie ends with basically just a shot off of a ferry mm. that's just looking at New York. And mm. it's just like a five ten minute shot of yeah. just what New York looked like in the 80s Oops. and it was it's really good I it's will watch it and there's just seagulls like flying around chirping out so it's just silent it's just anyway. uh, dreamy it's a good time oh New York I love that movie even though nobody else cares about it no uh, also they did some very small reshoots so there's a bit where you know Denim gets like stuck like gets caught on a branch Ooh. And then they just kind of move on. And then he shows up later. Originally, they just had him crouch down and hide behind a bush. But then they were like, oh, that's cowardly. <laughs> so then they reshot it. So he got stuck on a branch, even though Weird. it <laughs> was just kind of ridiculous that he got like so far behind the rest of the party because a branch <laughs> poked him. And, you know, <laughs> All right, he couldn't then. go okay. on. That. That's sure. awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh, also, the final scene was originally going to be on top of the Empire State Building. Mm. And then they didn't really like that so then they reshot it you know so the last the final scene is like where he's you know uh, on the ground and everybody's yeah. talking mm. over mm. his corpse kind of right the beast which Big is a bit more dramatic it's been more interesting i mean the most iconic line in the movie is probably like nah man it was it was beauty that killed the beast or whatever so it i guess it yeah. you know had a purpose but they weren't terrible I, I, things to reshoot i thought bullets killed the beast see that's what i thought too but i guess i was wrong it was beauty it was beauty alone he just he saw the men in that plane and he's like oh oh man (laughs) so attractive (laughs) (laughs) and then he lost his balance and he fell wait during the like ceremony there were it was like the bride of kong right yeah it was the whole deal but then they expected him to like eat her yeah. Sometimes. Why is that called the Bride of Kong? One eats their mate. Oh right. Yeah, like if you're a bug. Praying, they got it mixed That's up with <laughs> praying mantises. Yeah. Nah. That doesn't have anything to do with anything. <laughs> Carry on. I was just. It was a little disturbing. Know. The yeah. sacrifice like to the creature. Her. He was like, you know what? Uh-huh. I like you. And I was like, ah. Don't. Yeah. Again, though. <laughs> very iconic imagery. But he big monkey. For he, he big, big monkey. monkey. And big yeah. monkey wants he, what big monkey he's wants. There. He big monkey, she small human. (laughs) Makes sense. You know, it could work. Chemistry. Uh, Oh, yeah, but also to get some of those effect (laughs) shots, actors would have to, like, stand still for shoots lasting so many, so many hours. Like when Dara was on the the tree branch thing. Yeah. 
Apparently, she had to stay there for 22 hours Whoa. straight. No way. Yeah. Is that even possible? Apparently. Mm. What? I guess miserable. she didn't die somehow. Perhaps, <laughs> barely. Also, like I threw think. threw food at her. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. They're just saying, hey, wait. Here you go. Here's some snacks. Don't fall asleep. That must have sucked. Oh, gosh. But yeah. at least she didn't have to, like, do anything. She just kind of stood there. True. I hope they paid her well. Nap. Well, I actually have things on that. Segway. Apparently, she only worked a total of, like, 10 weeks mm. for the stuff that she did. It's not bad. Even though it did take eight months months to film the, the It took the eight monks? It took eight whole monks. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. This project Crazy. is blessed. <laughs> they were really trying to make sure, you know, it was religiously sound. Yes. Of course, of course not. Uh, <laughs> I've got some information on the budget as well. I was about so to ask. They did film the initial segment that was on that, um, the set that was from one of his earlier movies. They did a little bit of, of filming for that just to, as like a technical thingamajig. And when they showed that to RKO, they gave them a $500,000 budget, which is about $8.8 million today. Holy cow. Uh, it ended up costing... About six hundred and seventy-two thousand, which is about eleven point eight million dollars now, so it went up quite a bit. Apparently, the actual average budget for like a really big budget RKO picture at the time yeah. was two hundred and twenty-five thousand, or about four million. So the fact that they saw this movie and were like, "Okay, cool, here's eight point eight, and then afterwards they were like, "Actually, we need eleven point eight, which is <laughs> like more than." the cost of just a normal big budget picture Jeez. on top of already being like more than twice. So it was, it was more than three times the cost of like a normal big budget Holy picture, of the time, which is bonkers. Apparently uh, the producer was talking about having to like squeeze budgets from other movies mm. for them to be able to afford it, which kind of sucks. Yeah. It's rough. But I mean, it was obviously kind of worth it. Right. Again, like, this is the movie that we're talking about on this podcast. Yeah, so. And again, like, you know, if you're the, he's, they're doing the most ambitious project like nobody else is i assume doing things of this scale and with yeah. these kinds of effects and stuff so i guess it's gonna cost more than mm -hmm. than the other things anyway so i mean it's enough that we didn't, i didn't find any reports on what those actual movies were so right. i guess nobody <laughs> cares right. yeah i don't know i could be totally wrong and somebody's gonna you know give us a hate tweet of but they they were filming the I greatest truly. movie ever made and Y and you didn't even cover Let's it see. on the podcast, and how dare you? But there's a four-year gap after this of movies mm -hmm. that, like, just apparently didn't matter to I me enough when I was making this list. Yeah, it's funny <laughs> that we had, like, two from 33 and... Three from 37. Three? Yeah. Crazy. Maybe four? Mm, I can't remember. Uh, there's a lot. Like that many. But At anyway. Two, three, yeah. Yeah, so the final budget of the film was, yeah... Like three times the cost of a big budget picture in its day. Crazy. And uh, they also, like, they were even still trying to squeeze the budget just on that alone. Like they were Jeez. offering crew members like, hey, you can just kind of, we'll pay you based off of the profits of mm. what we make instead of paying you right now. And uh, <sighs> they did things like that. Although Faye Ray noted that she had been paid about $10,000 for 10 mm. weeks of shooting. Which is around 176,000 today. That's pretty good. Not bad. That's not bad. Yeah. Yep. Seeing as how she did day. mostly like kind of low budget horror movies, like yeah. that was sort of her shtick. That's probably a pretty good payday for pretty her. Good. Although, I also read another way that they could afford to do it for even 
the budget that they had then is by paying the African-American members of the cast half of what the white cast members were paid. Oh, my gosh. Which really oh sucks. Man, it's yeah, not exactly surprising, but it's really that. shitty. Uh, there were a lot of them. Sexist uh-huh. and racist. Extras and stuff. Yep. We love it here. It was I actually forgot. a huge deal back then that they even got to be in movies, mm. I think. Uh, but, I, you know. That also reminded me that I wanted to talk, we about, love humans. talk about the guy on the boat, the, the Chinese guy, mm-hmm. maybe. I don't know if you have anything yeah. about him. I'm very curious. Yeah, no, I, I, did, I did some research on him because I was like, is this... Is this an early instance of like yellow face or something? Yeah, it, I wasn't it sure because I saw his name was like Victor Wong or something. Yeah, yeah. So, so he he was a Chinese actor. Okay. He was obviously just like have even though he was born in America and lived in America his whole life, he was having to like play up a fake accent and do all this stuff right, to just of like it's going to be exaggerated. Yeah, to fit the stereotype. Which is, I guess, from what I saw, basically his entire career was doing that sort of thing. Which is like, I guess that is the only way a minority could ma- have a career in acting at the yeah, time is just by being very stereotypical about yourself, right? Like about your culture, it's rough. which sucks as well. Um, mm. But at least, at least from what I was reading, I did not note any instances of like blackface or yellowface in this film. Yeah, which is I think that makes sense. I mean, that's at least there's that. There's something <laughs> not not much, but yeah. like at least that's a thing. Uh, but yeah, so they, they did pay minority members of the cast half of what white cast members got, which, yeah, anyway, that's garbage, obviously. Trash. Uh, I've also got some information on the post-production, if you would be interested. I would. Such information. So, I guess a guy named Murray Spivak did the sound effects Hmm. and, and did some really inventive Foley work. The... The roar for Kong was a mix of lions and tigers, but it was played backwards slowly. Nice. Which is cool. Yes. I it really did just sound like a normal roar to me. Yeah, like I, I was like, I was like, was that that was just a tiger or something? It was the MGM just for the sake of being different. Yeah, I'll play it backwards. They'll never see that one coming. Playing stuff backwards is fun. It does work. I, it didn't sound like it was played backwards, so no, that's yeah, kind of cool. Sounded really good. cool. And also, I thought this was really funny. The chest beating sounds, which I didn't think were. <laughs> You know, particularly anyway. I don't think I even noticed. Basically, it was (laughs) he was hitting his assistant in the chest with a drumstick, and they held a microphone up to the back of his back. What? Oh my gosh! (laughs) Oh my gosh! So his assistant just had to like stand there and get beaten, (laughs) (laughs) which I feel like he probably could have worked out a better way to do that. Probably. Probably. I don't know. Uh, And also the noises from. Like the dinosaurs and like the screaming sailors and all that stuff was mostly just his voice, hmm. which is relatively nice. convincing. Yeah. It worked. Uh, yeah. I, I like when there's stuff like that. I appreciate the fully work. I like when there's stuff like that. Like there's some cool creature effect. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, it's just this person, right? Just doing something. This weird. is Steve Bradley Baker making all right. of the noises for everything in <laughs> yeah. Avatar. Isn't that what like the the Ringwraith scream in the Lord of the Rings was? like some lady on the crew is just like or just do some weird scream or something really <laughs> i think so that's so cool i, I, I can, love those stories I check that but yeah i think it's just like <laughs> mm-hmm. just made it work that's great i'm excited to go through that a bit more in the star wars episodes as well because ben burt is a crazy amazing yes. sound designer also there's information on the score yes which was very interesting to me it was done by max steiner who is kind of a legend he did 
just I'm just going to list a few movies that he had done, I guess, that he probably did after this. Casablanca, Gone with the Wind, The Searchers, The Treasure of the Sierra Madre, and A Star is Born, the movie mm. we're covering next. <laughs> oh, my god! So he's, he's done a, he's, he did a bunch of stuff. This he's crazy. So he's, he's magical. Mm-hmm. Uh, the studio was originally going to try to just have him reuse music that was already done before in order to save money. But then uh, the director, uh, Marion C. Cooper, was like, nah. No. We need a score. So he paid Steiner $50,000 to do a score, which is about $980,000 today. Dang. So almost a million dollars to just like just do the film score. And the studio paid Cooper back afterwards. I guess it was just like, I, I guess, all right, fine. I guess we got to pay you back. It's an interesting way to like force something out of the studio. But it mm-hmm. sounded like they, the directors put a lot of effort into trying to get as much money as they could. Yeah. Uh, which also paid off because the score is kind of legendary. It took six weeks, had a massive impact on the trajectory of film scoring. I have just a list of things that it was like the first at. Huh. That's kind of awesome. It's the first feature length musical score for an American talkie. Whoa. Apparently it's the first major Hollywood film to have a thematic score, not just background music. Mm-hmm. Huh. It's the first to use a 46 piece orchestra. It was recorded. It's, it's the first to be recorded on three separate tracks for music, dialogue and sound effects. And it's one of the first to incorporate light motifs, which, you know, like every film now ever has. Yeah. Um, but he was just like, ah, yeah, operas do light motifs. I should try that with film scoring. Um, I don't think it was the very first movie to use light motifs, but it was one of the very earliest examples of that. And I mean, I really did like the score. Like there were elements of it that I was like, that's a really interesting, like some instruments in there that like just, I hadn't heard in earlier movies yeah. and also the use of light motifs definitely reminded me of John Williams and did mm-hmm. also kind of bring out some Star Wars comparisons. So that's cool. Good job, dude. Yar. You did good music things. Nice. It, it was good. And, uh, you know, they did spend quite a bit of money on this movie, but it did kind of pay off in the box office. It initially opened at just two theaters, which one of them was the Radio City Music Hall, which nice. I thought was cool. Nice. So that was like the main theater that it opened at. And it set attendance records instantly, pulling in $90,000 in its first opening week, which is $1.75 million in just four days, in just two theaters, which is crazy. I mean, I think the Farewell definitely broke that record in its, its opening weekend of just being in like two, four theaters or whatever. So... But. People were into it, is what I'm hearing. Yes, people like, were initially into it. The coding, there, the code was about to come in, mm-hmm. but people liked the dark violence yeah. in monkeys into women. It, it seemed like a, <laughs> yeah, it did pretty well. People Trippy. thought it was cool. Oh yeah, also I've got what ticket prices were at the time, Ooh, which I thought was what? interesting. That's awesome. Uh, tickets would range from about thirty-five cents to seventy-five cents at the time, which in today's dollars is about six dollars eighty-seven to about fourteen seventy-one. Which is oh, that makes me sad. Yeah, I'd I'd be Ooh. all right spending six dollars on a movie. Be nice. Fourteen had it. is like IMAX. Yeah, we had it for a week. We did, and now it's back up to regular. Is prices. it already back up? Yeah. Oh, that sucks. <sighs> womp womp. Yeah, it sucks. Uh, but apparently, it made about five million worldwide when it eventually opened. Its world premiere was later at Grauman's Chinese Theater, which is cool. Oh. Even back then, it was doing all them world premieres. Nice. So it had, even though it made about $5 million worldwide, it only really made a $650,000 profit, which is about 
12.75 million in today's money. Uh, the 5 million worldwide cost or worldwide gross was is about 98 million dollars today. So, so you know, it's good to me. It's not bad. Like again, people probably weren't just there weren't as many theaters, people weren't seeing as many movies yeah. as they were now. So True. like even when you adjust for inflation, it's not like you know, the you know, highest ranking movies now, mm-hmm. but like for the time it yeah. it was a very big deal. Totally, yeah. It's cool. Yar. Yar. Can make the movie ten times over with that money. That mm-hmm. should be like the sound of the podcast. Yar. Yar. Like yar. I like that. <laughs> oh man, I I'm sorry. I feel like I've I've just talked so much because I've got so many notes here. You good. My my voice is already like starting to get <laughs> get raw. Which is not a good time. Uh, we, we've I think looks like got a bank episodes. It looks like we're just over an hour. The ride. Hmm. So we're we're pretty far in here. Yeah. Cool. Well, I've only got I've only got a little bit left. Okay. So I've got some fun facts. Just just two brief fun, fun facts. Fun facts. And then we can Whee. get into the the sexism and the racism and the, yes. the reception. Whee. But King Kong was one of the first Criterion movies Ooh. released on Laserdisc. Ooh. It was also the first movie ever to have a commentary track included. Really? Which is rad. I still would like to own something on Laserdisc. I think that would be really fun. It would be cool. They had some at Second and Charles one time. What? But they didn't have any like movies that I cared about, so I didn't pick them up. Oh, that sucks. But it was fun. I get they're, King they're Kong. F- That'd be cool. huge, dude. That's great. Anyway, carry on. Laserdisc. My grandpa used to collect them back in the day. Like I have nothing to play it with and I probably never will. I just think it's fun. There. Yeah. I mean, just the idea of having just like some awesome, amazing, like, like having seven samurai on laser disc. And it's, it's like a vinyl. Yeah. But it's a movie. Oh, so cool. (laughs) Okay. Carry on. They should definitely do that as like a collector's edition thing. Anyway, it also didn't receive any Academy Awards. Hmm. Uh, Uh, was this Rude. before or wait, when did we say the Academy Awards started? I they were out at this point. Okay. I, I don't remember. remember when they started. Okay. I didn't I didn't look that up, but uh, they did I not have like a visual effects category until thirty eight. And the producers and like everybody involved in this film was pushing the Academy really hard to like right. give it an award for its visual yeah, effects and they hope, were like, nah. Yeah, you'd hope we that ain't it would, doing like, that. It would legitimize that kind of thing. Right. And, hmm. and, and it, they were like, No, we're not gonna do that and then five years later they did it. That's and it's like, come on, man. Sad. Anyway, so it didn't get like, it didn't get awards. I feel like that takes so much more effort than so many other aspects of, especially back then. And they right. were already getting into special effects for years before mm-hmm. that. So why wouldn't right. they it's, give that credit? Yeah. You suck. Yeah. Well, it, they changed their minds five years later and, you know, obviously couldn't go back and We'd give like an to award, spite the Academy. Got there now. Right. Yeah. Screw you. Hashtag Oscars so not visual effects yeah yeah rude gosh Oscars. anyway anyway so i guess we did already cool. kind of talk about the sexism yeah it kind of sprinkled that stuff in but, but i just you know I, the, the bit where he's just like ah i love you she's like but you hate women yeah and he's like <laughs> you're not yeah women. <laughs> but you aren't women <laughs> yeah i was like i just wrote here <laughs> that that sucks but it does <laughs> so it's really bad and that's how I we sum up the whole I movie i was maybe going to use that as my <laughs> quote yeah. I'll think of something else. I'm sorry. You know, you got to think of something else. I have yeah. another one, actually. So uh-huh. okay. All right. And then. <laughs> the audacity of these men. I know. I swear. Like, why? But it gets worse, guys. We've uh, got some unfortunate 
racism allegations. Mm. Uh, mm. Makes sense. So while the film is most often compared to Beauty and the Beast, many critics have seen in it a racial allegory, claiming that it's about interracial romance, like being like a Ooh. cautionary tale about Yikes. interracial didn't romance. Even read into that. Oh my gosh. Which, yeah, Yikes. especially since it, as you know, sources were saying like often in that day and age, African Americans were depicted as being ape-like. In a, in a, right. obviously in racist connotations. Yeah. So they're like, yeah. ah, that's, it's, yeah. <laughs> Which is really rough. Yeah. Yeah. It's also. Do it's, we actually think that? I was going to say, I don't think. It's that, a reading that like, if you're aware of that going into the film, it, it does work yeah. throughout the whole film. Like I, that, that reading is, is yeah. functional. I think you can hold that up. I wouldn't think that that was intended at all. Well, I wouldn't. Yeah, the directors do sure. maintain that the story doesn't have any meaning, that it's just a story of the primitive being doomed by modern civilization. Right. Mm. But even that's like, ugh. But yeah, at <laughs> okay. the, for the most part, they were just like, ah, oh, no, this doesn't have any deeper meaning. Don't don't think about it. But yeah. at the same time, it's hard not to sometimes. Just because, like a a theme or an allegory is unconscious, right. doesn't exactly mean that it's. Yeah, We're not saying, like, shitty. Yeah, like we you know? kind of have to talk about those things a lot. Like, yeah, sometimes you just code problematic things into your work without mm-hmm. meaning to, and it may not show up and be obvious initially. But right, with hindsight, and it's like it's like, and uh, it, we can't just be like, ah, oh, no, they weren't racist guys like they were still paying their their african-american right. staff half of what they're paying their white staff there like was, there was already significant yeah. issues there's some just systemic stuff that was happening for sure mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. so it anyway we, yeah still, we're still working on that i was aware of that that out al- that uh allegory mm. theory yeah going into the movie and it did make it a less enjoyable experience yeah like I the visual effects are still great right and the score is still awesome, just like with Metropolis. Yeah. But I don't know how I feel about the movie. However, there is something to be said that I don't know that everybody read into it that like read that into it at the time because apparently it was banned in Nazi Germany Whoa. for being quote a violation of German race feeling. What the heck? What does this mean? I was trying to sort out what that would mean. Race feeling? Yeah. Are all these movies getting tied back to? I don't know, Germany. but apparently Hitler saw it multiple <laughs> times and was quite fascinated by it. Huh? I don't know. Wow. Okay. Maybe that's I don't know. maybe that's my my segment on like the he podcast. Liked it, is, but then it was banned. I guess he thought it was really interesting, but then they banned it in Nazi Germany. Weird. So I don't. I don't know what it really means—a violation huh. of German race feeling. Like maybe they were feeling like it's too kind to other races. Maybe. I don't know. Or if they were seeing in it a kind of race allegory, but not in a cautionary way. Right, maybe. And they were like, the oh, no. Su- the mere suggestion of interracial yeah. <laughs> relationships. I don't know. Who knows? Anyway, so it's, it's, I wouldn't so go so far as to say it's a gray area, but it's not at least black and white definitively right yeah you know it's not like the directors came out afterwards and were like yeah this is what i'm about i don't know sure weird it's it is still worth talking about though you know maybe they just wanted to make a movie about big monkey 
It just wanted big monkey. Fighting big other monkey. big creatures. Big monkey. <laughs> that was their defense. But he <laughs> big, monkey. big monkey. Where the film is racist. Like, no. Look at That's him. probably adding he more big depth monkey. than they ever exactly, intended. Yeah. They're like, I just That's like big monkeys in violence. That's usually how it goes. They don't really like. seem like the kind of guys that like no. had very interesting philosophical thoughts. Right. They did just seem like very of their time casually racist and sexist kind of you right. know yeah i it i like, like to oh. make a movie with big monkey big <laughs> I don't monkey, know. Big monkey. <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh, at the time critic thoughts ranged from like saying it was ridiculous but diverting as uh i i guess was in the new yorker that was the review but also the new york world telegram which I think it said is now the Hollywood reporter, or maybe mm. it was just archived on the Hollywood reporter's website. Interesting. Said it was one of the very best of all the screen thrillers done with all the cinema's slickest camera tricks. So they got the right. I don't idea. know. People just thought, thought the shooty shooty and the wacky stappy wacky. stappy and, and the eating, eating the chewy, 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 stuffy, stuffy. <laughs> I don't that know. Like that. Weird. They thought all that was pretty good. <laughs> stabby, stabby. Yeah. Stabby McStabberson. Uh, the modern reception is maybe a little bit better than it was at the time. Yeah, I can see that. It's got a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. Nice. It's got a 90 on Metacritic. Nice. It is ranked, it's on like seven of the American Film Institute's list. It's considered Dang. the 43rd greatest film of all time on their list. What? Nice. Uh, and it is on Ebert's great movies list. He had a pretty interesting quote that I also inserted into this. He said, Final proverb. In modern times, the movie has aged as critic James Burnett. I can't say that name. <laughs> Bur- I should have thought about how to pronounce this before. Berardinelli. I'm just going to go with that. It's job. probably wrong. Berardinelli observes. And advances in technology and acting have dated aspects of the production, yes. But in the very artificiality of some of the special effects, there is a creepiness that isn't there in today's slick, flawless, computer-aided images. Even allowing for its slow start, wooden acting, and wall-to-wall screaming, there is something ageless and primeval about King Kong that somehow still works. Wooden acting. I mean, I know that's, you know, a very cliche thing to say, but Ebert was right. I was going to say, good, mm-hmm. good take. Yeah, that's a good summary. I like the wall-to-wall screaming Rogers. comment. Yeah. <laughs> I felt that too. Yeah, yeah apparently, I, I didn't, I don't think I noted that on the podcast. We were talking about that off pod. But yeah, yeah, Faye Ray, when she saw the movie debut, she thought it was ridiculous. Like, she's like, the screaming was just so much. Like, why is this what Constant it is? Constant you know? screams. She hated her screaming. So, oh. Also, screaming like that destroys your vocal cords. Uh-huh. Like. I was like, is she okay? Did she need surgery after this oh. or something? Did she get nodes? <laughs> right. <laughs> what did they do to you? Yeah. <laughs> hmm. But I think that's I think that's all my information. Excellent work. And if we skip something, I guess it just didn't matter enough. So it who cares? Yeah. Anyway, you know what? We never skip. We we, we never skip Ryan. saying Oh. Ryan. Yeah. Ryan. You did it. Thank you. We, we got back there. I didn't even like really find a good spot to plug him in, but <laughs> he's always on my mind. Right. <laughs> so it was it was probably very distracting trying to watch a movie while also it really thinking was. About I Ryan was Gosling. like, how would Ryan Gosling like view this movie? How right. would he have acted in it? You know, 
Yeah. So what character would you cast him as? I don't know. And yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. That'd be fine, man. <laughs> sure. Be good with that. <laughs> like, I think he could pull it off very well. Yeah. He is also as, okay, that was weird. The HBO max like summary just called and just a blonde, uh, like Kong. Yeah. She doesn't even get a name takes anymore. A blonde up to the top of the uh, Eiffel tower. Uh, <laughs> That's basically like, HBO Max has the worst summaries that just Ryan like talk Gosling about what happens in the climax of the movie and that's it. Yeah. But Ryan Gosling is also an attractive blonde. Exactly. And if beauty is killing the beast, Ryan Gosling will Ryan definitely Gosling. do the job. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't even make it to ooh, New York. Ooh. Yeah. yeah, he would have just died on sight. It's <laughs> like, Ryan Gosling, oh my God. And he just falls over. <laughs> he like doesn't even like untie him from the thing. He's just like, oh, oh, oh. And then, yeah. oh man. I like our dying sound effects. That works. Yeah. Cool. Cool. All right. Um, hmm. We should plug things. It's the oh, time yes. to plug things. We're on the internet. We are. We're on the enough. interwebs. What What are our social media handles, Hannah? We are. Wow. You think that I would just know them off the top of my head by now, but I suck. We're Movie Overload Pod on Instagram. Uh, mm-hmm. Go follow us there and leave, I don't know, spammy comments for us. Yay. Great. Spam. And then on Twitter, we're movie overload underscore because pod was too long which is big sad that is big sad and we have a website all the links and resources at movieoverloadpod.com that's pretty what? cool you can email us i think as well at movieoverloadpod at gmail and there's a contact yep. form on our website yep, yep. we accept hate mail uh oh yeah I, i've been wanting to say this uh give us a rating on iTunes oh, yeah. that like actually yes. that's the way that people will get like pushed our podcast. That's the way most people will find mm-hmm. out about it. So if you can do that, that would be great. And we appreciate I, feedback. I wish more podcast we appreciate platforms feedback. had that. Yeah. And it's really only Apple. I feel it like. really is. But Which also sucks. most podcasters pull from Apple directly. Yeah, right. So it, I don't know. That's yes. just, it's kind do of the, do the standard, do the golden go, standard. Go to iTunes. Give us the, the rating tell the friend that you have if Please you have tweet. one do you have friends uh, you should tell them about if you the if you do and and if you don't we're your friends yay it's okay you're a friend of the pod now yeah Hello. friend of the pod you Woo. <laughs> that's going to be a patreon tier yeah if you want to be friend, yeah, of, friend the of the pod friend of the pod <laughs> if you want to be extra friend of the pod you can give us uh ten dollars a month and that is the tier in which uh i can't I, we'll we'll sort it out it'll be amazing yep. though yep. it'll be really it's good <laughs> watch so, me cry yeah what no watch me scream more than Anne. Oh. Ooh. at a horror movie okay that's the I challenge see, yeah if you could actually like have some louder more obnoxious screams that'd be really cool i think i could i think it's in me you think? i think i can yeah i think you i can test. Get that destroy out. your vocal cords right. for money. i will for you yeah. guys Yes. Oh, for, for, the mon- for the money. Oh, for friends of the pod. Okay. Oh, I'll, I don't know about money. I'll do it for friends of the pod, though. <laughs> got priorities, man. All right. Uh, Reese, do you have, do you have related watching? Oh yeah. Okay. So I was gonna go back to some of the things we talked about before, but like you know, we mentioned Jurassic Park. I mm-hmm. think is is one that Definitely. kind of big tends to Park fall into a similar this. line. Yeah. Uh, going into some of the stuff that Ray Harryhausen has worked on, like, I guess early, was it Clash of the Titans? Yep. 
that's a good that's a good film Mm -hmm. uh also the silent uh picture the lost world which i think we talked about Uh, as an early example of sci-fi uh during metropolis i think that's probably like the peak i really want to see that now closest related stuff Mm -hmm. yeah makes sense those are those are my my choices yes nice so uh all all is well in film and uh score (laughs) and as we say at the end of every episode (laughs) of movie overload pod confound this fog it's so foggy I don't I know why, but it's like, it's like confound this I'm fog. so proud of you. You did. Yeah. You, you it's actually fog. found a It just line. felt notable for some reason. I you remembered it. This movie a was quote. hard to pull from. The dialogue wasn't very memorable. You could have just screamed. Ah! As we say at the end of every movie overload podcast. <laughs> <Look up>. ah! <laughs> You're trying to scream, but you can't. That's it. That's all I got. Womp womp. Bye. Bye. Bye.